It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van And we are live on car con carne. And I realize as we're doing this, uh, the presidential debate's happening. So there's a good chance this might be watched, listened to after the fact, which is fine. It doesn't dilute anything. Uh, but if you are watching live, I'm happy that we're providing a little distraction for you tonight. Carcon Carne is sponsored by C&H Financial Services. Business owners, they are continuing to figure out how to move forward in and around the coronavirus. And C&H Financial Services is here to help. They offer a variety of products, ranging from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates the expense associated with accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express as a form of customer payment. C&H Financial Services eTab solutions, easy to set up for your business for online ordering and curbside pickup. And C&H also offers cost-effective commercial lending programs, which can help get your business the money it needs to make it through these unprecedented times. To learn more, contact C&H Financial Services at 855-600-2437, or go to chfs.us. Life is filled with its annoyances, quirkiness, problematic issues, the things that just get under our skin. Uh, my guest tonight has cataloged them all. He is Scott Cohen. His book is Don't You Just Hate That? Does uh, self-describe maybe? Uh, connoisseur of all things annoying. Uh, he's basically the voice in our heads transferred to the printed page. Uh, your book is newly re-released. You, you had more to say, clearly. It, yes, um, it came out in 2004, um, and when it was published, I felt a sense of relief that I no longer had to catalog life's annoyances. And then over the next 16 years, I wrote about 3,000 more annoying realities. So the book is out, and I, I wanted to kind of go through some of these because the, the second... I start talking about these items. It's going to it's going to resonate with people because I, I was reading it. I, I always read before I go to bed. I don't have a TV in my room. I figure the best way to decompress is by reading. So I'm always reading a book sure. before bedtime uh, and I'm giggling. I, I'm, I'm chuckling as I'm reading this stuff because I recognize myself in a lot of your neurotic, <laughs> obsessive uh, musings, we'll say. Sure. For instance, when someone says, I see you got a haircut, it makes no further comment. This is one of the things I don't miss about being in the office every day right now. Stuff like I, that. Nothing more awkward than that. And you're making me think of the, um, there's a point about both Simon and Garfunkel went bald. <laughs> right. I had somehow that the, the hair, I guess the hair kind of connected for me, but. I did this over the weekend, waiting behind people who look like they're in line, but aren't. And then you do that awkward thing. Are you, you finally decide you have to say something like, are you in line? Oh, no, no, I'm not. And then you realize the line's over there. And, and you just, you try to look cool, but there's no looking cool coming out of that. That is true. So do you catalog this stuff as you experience them in life? Do you, do you have like a, a notepad in your pocket? Do you, you type in your phone, these annoyances yeah. as they happen? So I just sort of, anytime they come to me, I email them to myself. And then when I get home, I have a master list. So I just, it, um, like my editor at Workman reached out to me about a year ago and he was like, we're thinking of re, you know, republishing the book. And he's like, you know, do you have any new points? And I said, yeah, I've written thousands. And 
I had I don't even know where they came from. Like when I re- read them, I was it felt like like a like a ghost version of me had written them or something, you know. You've met my family clearly because one of my favorite ones is when saying goodbye to everyone takes nearly an hour. It's never just goodbye, great to see you, we'll do this again. It becomes, oh, remember when, or hey, whatever happened to, and whenever my family goes for dinner at a restaurant, we're standing in the parking lot for like 30, 45 minutes. And when I read that, I'm like, oh, well, clearly Scott Cohn knows everyone in my family and has <laughs> been through that. Yeah. Uh, when the driver pushes the unlock button as you pull the handle at the same moment, uh, my wife, remarkably talented at doing that. That pretty much happens every day. Uh-huh. And it, again, these are things, these are, I, I guess, classified as first world problems. Sure. These, these are not legitimate problems. Have you already emailed yourself a bunch of these since you sent this to, like, once the final copy for this was approved? Did you just keep going? Do you have more banks? No, I, I've, I've, I've thought up a few new ones, but I simply refuse to go any further. You say that now. <laughs> You say that now. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is something I I had in my head or if I read it in your book. Uh, do you talk about CAPTCHA, CAPTCHA images? Or is this just something that bugs me when you have to do the CAPTCHA where you have to identify, is that a boat? Is that a crosswalk? Is that an airplane, a, a bird? Yeah, right. I don't think that's in there. I know I have a point about um, when there's like a password question that's really unclear to you, like, you know, where do you plan on retiring? And you're just like, you know. Oh, I, I I hate those where you have to do the password reminders, and I don't remember what I wrote, and I don't remember did I capitalize both words? Is it two words? Or did I make it one word? Did I throw in an extra character? And I never get that right. Yeah. And you'd think with profanity you'd be able to remember that. Uh, knowing you're in the picture a stranger is taking this makes me crazy because I the second I realize that I try to duck out of the way I try to you know turn my head but I know I'm in someone's Instagram or Facebook or whatever for perpetuity makes me bananas. <laughs> I, I did a lot of business travel uh, for a, a couple of years before my most recent gig. And I, I flew solo a lot. And when you fly solo, it, it's always uncomfortable because when you fly with someone, you know, you can kind of lean on that person. It's okay. If you violate a little, little of their personal space, when you fly solo, you're very keenly aware of everyone around you. One of your items, armrest warfare on an airplane. It is, a, it is like this silent, passive-aggressive showdown. You know, James, my fear is that the book post-coronavirus, like, <laughs> the point. It's, like it's, it's like writing about things that happened during the uh, Revolutionary War. Yeah. It's, when your musket won't fire. <laughs> exactly. When the horse won't deliver the mail. Exactly. But, you know, the, what are we going to do? I mean... <laughs> They were, they were all real prior to March, you know? Back in those crazy days of, say, February. Yeah. But yeah, the armrest warfare on an airplane. And I always, whenever I fly, I always leave the plane and I'm uncomfortable. Like, I'm sore because I'm so focused on holding my arms and legs together so that I'm not doing the incidental touching. And I, I like, I'm uncomfortable. And the longer the flight, oh my God, forget it. But I think that shows that you're a kind-hearted person. <laughs> this is something that proves that you are from a, a large city. And I, I identify this as a Chicago area resident when no one witnesses, you nail an impossibly tight parallel park. What a gratifying feeling that is. Unless like, no one witnesses it. Right. 
like if you could do it one shot, one quick jerk back and then a rock forward and you're in and you're right there by the curb. That is, you feel like you've, you've really done something like you're gifted. And if no one's there to document it, it's a tree falling in a forest. Sure. <laughs> True. Uh, again, the book for people who are just joining, don't you just hate that? It is by Scott Cohn. You can get it on Amazon and elsewhere. Um, since we're on Facebook, having one of those days when your posts receive very few likes, causing you to feel alone in this world. No one wants to feel alone right now. You know, the, did, you, did you see the new movie? Uh, what's it called? A Social Something or Another. It's, it's oh, all- on, ne- on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, it's it's enough to make you just chuck all your technology into the ocean and never look back. And the social dilemma. I, thank you. And, and I really, there's a moth attacking me, which is befitting. Um, yeah. I know what it feels like to post something on Facebook, a video of my kids, and then like sort of addictively every 10 minutes or so check to see, did I get another like, you know, it's just so wrong. Well, I know in my own recent experience, I had an interview last night on this podcast with Steve Kilby from the church. I've loved the church for many years, a fantastic yeah. band. I was nerding out about, about the interview before it happened. I nerded out after it happened. And I'm thinking, I'm going to post this and people are going to flip. It's the dude from the church. Uh, I posted a picture of my dog the same day. The ratio is like 10 to one in reactions. So when I read that in your book, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's exactly what it would I experienced right there. Well, I enjoyed your interview with him, by the way. Oh, did you? Oh, thank you. Uh, he, I just didn't need to say a word. I just needed to say one thing, pull back, let him go. So amusing. And by the way, you turned me on to um, Howling Bells. Isn't she wonderful? Yes. Juanita Stein. Oh, my God. And the whole band. They're just great. Yeah. The band, uh, her new music is fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you for, for watching slash, slash listening. Scott Cohen, yeah. author. East Coaster, watching Carco and Carney. I really do appreciate that. Um, you know, you talked about how some of your facts or your your annoyances might be outdated in the current world. Not this one. Trying to collect unemployment along with 35 million other Americans. That that one was uh, post-March. I, I, yes, I threw, I sprinkled in a few tidbits there for, for what we're going through now. I haven't tried this. I guess I'll take your word for it that it's physically impossible to lick your own and physically impossible to lick your own elbow. Is that true? Unless you dislocate your shoulder, I imagine, but. (laughs) Maybe if you're younger. (laughs) Yeah, I I, know. Yeah, you're right. You need to be some kind of contortionist, some kind of Cirque du Soleil star in order to pull that off. And Again, these are first world problems. These are things that people shouldn't be upset about, but they're irritating. They're annoying. They're just enough to get under your skin. And you are the, the kind of, so you are the, the curator of all these things. Thank you, James. <laughs> we follow your lead. Uh, this is something I've experienced in my personal life. I, I don't support this. People who clean because the cleaning lady is coming. Let, <laughs> let the cleaning lady do what she does, you know? It's like, I don't even bother doing my taxes before someone does them for me. I, I'm no good at that. We're, we're always blaming the cleaning ladies for moving. I'm super type A. And when they move my stuff around. I'm not surprised you're type A. Just having read this book, <laughs> that doesn't surprise me in the least. So but, uh, some people, yeah, they, they've got to make sure that things are tight at the next level of okay before the cleaning people come in and really do their business. Right. 
Uh, this is something that made me, this is one of those things as I was reading in bed that made me laugh out loud. Wishing you could blurt out, nope, next, each time a waiter starts describing a special you don't like. That's the worst. And there's no, there's no way to ask how much each dish costs. It would just look and sound wrong. Yes. But you deep down inside, you, you may want to know that. And it's such an awkward moment, too. You, you, have to, you have to give an audience. So as the waiter's reading stuff that you don't really have an interest in, oh, yeah, ooh, that sounds good. Oh, I haven't had carpaccio in a while. That's lovely. I, I think with a horseradish something, fabulous. Uh, speaking of the social dilemma, you could have written this last week, being subtly manipulated by algorithms that monitor your every click. That was clearly written before you saw the social dilemma. Before, and here we are. You know, there was, I wrote a joke that I saw Seinfeld like riffing on a few days later, I'm trying to remember what the joke was. Um, and I, I remember emailing my editor, Danny, at Workman. I'm like, I wrote, you are proof that I wrote this joke before Seinfeld. I'm not stealing Seinfeld's joke. Um, gosh, I, I'll have to remember what it is. So my daughter uh, is learning from home, as so many kids are right now. And she just started her AP World History class. And I realized that she's talking about what she's studying and taking notes on. I don't remember any of it. Then I read this, not being able to name one event that occurred between 967 and 1492. And I'm like, you know what, Scott Cohn, you're wrong about that. <laughs> All right. Well, what? give me one. Go ahead. <laughs> and then, yeah, big goose egg on that. Yeah, okay. It's amazing the stuff we just jettisoned from our memory pods through the years. Just gone. Like, not even recoverable. It's not, the, the data's just lost. And I'm not sure, was there ever any data from that? Period. No, nothing happened. Right. It was a quiet time. Everything was fine. Uh, this is another laugh out loud thing. This is more of a pre-COVID and hopefully someday post-COVID uh, public transportation thing. When a seat is hot from a stranger's butt warmth, that says it all. That, that's about as vivid a description as you can get. You know, the whole toilet seat thing, when you have a certain person over and then you need to use the toilet and you can't help but sort of picture there involvement <laughs> their involvement <laughs> well along those lines the vulnerability you feel while sitting on a public toilet there's also another one about um when you're using a toilet and you're you know like the people who are hosting you can hear your urine splashing into the toilet yeah that impedes my ability to urinate in a natural manner I understand that. I, I'm going to tell you something. This is the most candid I've ever been on this podcast, and this is no joke. I am convinced I've trained my body to not have to use a toilet, a public toilet, during business hours. Whatever I can do to avoid that. I, number one is inevitable, but I, I have disciplined my internal systems to not have to do that at work. Well, can we go a, a step further in terms of you being candid? Can I ask you a, a question related to the book? Sure. There's a point about um, being attracted to a mannequin's well-shaped chest. <laughs> Have you ever felt any kind of attraction to a mannequin? Your listeners want to know this, James. Uh, no, no, that's not, no. But How about you a have? cartoon character? Uh, growing up, I mean, we all, I mean, Daphne on Scooby-Doo was fantastic okay it was the redhead thing the short skirt jessica rabbit 
I think I was too old to. I mean, I, I get it. You know, she's a curvy minx, but uh, no, I, I think I was too old. But as a as a kid, growing up and forming opinions, I, I think Daphne from Scooby Doo. Okay, and you know, there's the extra adrenaline rush of you know being scared and monsters, and you know, it's a kids horror show. You know, it was, it was all adrenaline and hormones. Sure, uh, but are you attracted to mannequins? Not normally. I'm not saying that uh, <laughs> I am deeply attracted to mannequins. This is why I do this show. <laughs> this kind of confessional I aspect. I, I mean, I have, <laughs> I have walked by a mannequin with, oh, you know, like I said in the point, like a well-shaped chest and felt a tinge of attraction. I, I have. I have. Okay, you're only, yeah. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, I remember it, it's funny, my kids, as they grew up, I, I definitely was more restrictive of the movies they watched than my parents were when I was growing up. When I was growing up, I watched every R rated movie that came out. I, I would see them in the theater with my parents. It's just such a different time. I mean, I remember seeing the blues brothers when it came out in theaters, which like the first five minutes of it are the most vulgar five minutes in movies in the 1980s. Um, but you bring up a point watching a movie with your parents that shows full frontal nudity. There was never a more awkward feeling than that. Cause inevitably watching those R rated movies, especially like slasher movies, like Friday the 13th or something like that. There it was boobs a go, go, you know, James, I don't know if it, I don't know if you remember this or cause I, th- I feel like we're a similar age. Um, I'm 25. <laughs> there was a point a long time ago where there was the Playboy channel and that was like a big thing. Okay. Uh-huh. And a friend told me like, if you turn the knob on your TV, okay, we're going back to channel four and then you press three and seven on the box. You remember the box? Yeah. yeah. The channels? It'll pull up the Playboy channel. And we had- Mark, you know, we, we kind of experimented with this. And it, we, we got it to a point where it would come in, but scrambled. So we would watch scrambled breasts, essentially. And Yes. Uh, for us growing up, it wasn't the Playboy channel. It was, was it on TV? It was something, it, but it was one of the, it was like a, a UHF thing. And you needed to kind of, I think it was UHF. And it was like in between channels. And yeah, you were definitely looking at like, slanted boobs on the top of the screen and then the image was broken at the bottom and maybe there was a pair of legs and you in your head you had to kind of piece together this van gogh sculpture into a living human to imagine what that was uh but yeah i mean that was that was childhood that was these kids today are so lucky with they've got porn in their pockets with their phones uh we we, we had to really I, i mean i was just gonna say as a dad of two boys it's also terrifying how available everything is. Everything. And you can only police so much or you're only able to police so much. I, I totally agree. I, there, are, there are times where you just kind of cross your fingers and, and hope for the best. Yeah. You, you, I mean, it, you're right. It is astonishing how much 